Hi, Nabi. Thanks very much for having me on the show. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Dynamic Business for supporting us and supporting Hustle Chat as well. Um, I've been very excited to have this conversation with you, Damien, and I know uh, we've all met quite recently and we just like clicked. Tell, tell us a little bit about your, your childhood and what was that like? Cool. Well, um, yeah, I suppose my childhood was probably pretty typical in Australian. Um, uh, Victorian, um, so glad to not be in Victoria at the moment, but uh, <laughs> born and raised in uh, country Victoria. My family's originally from sort of uh, Melbourne around Camberwell, Hawthorne area. Um, but yeah, it was awesome growing up in the farm. My, my parents sort of moved out there to get a hobby farm. So yeah, we ate really well. Um, they were always very focused on good food and organic things um, back in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I was brought up very, very well. Um, no sort of issues with anything. Uh, wide open spaces, the good old days of, you know, disappearing for an afternoon on your push bike when you're 10 years old um, wow. and, and thinking anything about it, playing in the bush and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, I think overall, um, very balanced sort of upbringing with a couple of siblings. Um, but when it comes to the entrepreneurial side of things, um, I think I was somewhat a little bit uh, affected by my grandfather. So he was um, quite an entrepreneur and he had a number of businesses and things like that. And um, yeah, I think that sort of rubbed off or there's some certain DNA perhaps in there as well. Um, because yeah, quite a you know at quite a young age, um, I was working sort of with my hands building things. Uh, I think my first job was at the local toy store putting push bikes together um, when I was probably like still at primary school. <laughs> and I can't remember if my parents encouraged me to do that, um, but yeah, it was very early on that I was sort of working in business and getting paid, getting my own money, um, which was really exciting. And I think that as a young kid. It's just something that's, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of nurture there. I'm not quite sure. Um, but from very early on, as far as I can remember, I was interested in working for myself, getting paid and getting the fun and satisfaction of doing something. Um, and my parents brought me a, uh, a computer when I was quite young. It was one of the first IBMs, a PS2. Um, 286. So I was probably the only kid in the entire neighborhood who had a computer, uh, good old screeching modems. Um, yeah. And I sort of joined, you know, those early days of having that wonderful experience of crossing from analog to digital. Um, and just as a kid, um, I was just addicted to it straight away. Um, and so it wasn't long before I was building my own computers. And um, before I was 18, I was already selling to. Um, the local department of natural resources in Victoria. So I was building the computers, importing all the components, and that was my first business called Squeeze Software. <laughs> wow, and and when was this? Uh, this would have been in like 94, 95. Um, yeah. So yeah, pretty much straight out of high school, I was already selling and building businesses for uh, computers, sorry, for local farmers, and then selling to like a government department. <laughs> Um, wow. uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, yeah, I ended up uh, moving back to Melbourne, going to 
um, RMIT to look at electronic engineering and I was sort of working in um, a local uh, computer store up there as well, building computers. So uh, I think from there, I've always sort of loved business um, mm-hmm. and loved sort of doing stuff myself. And uh, yeah. yeah, the other thing we loved was travel. So sort of after that, I sort of traveled and then contracted. So I didn't really do startups again after my initial businesses um, until sort of probably when I was in my 30s. Wow. And I know you have a whole range of businesses and and as it is, it's hard to run one business and, and I can vouch for that. Uh, how do you balance between running your number of different ventures? So, so what are some of the things that you're involved in at the moment? Yeah, so there's always lots of different things going on. I think I've got a mild case of ADHD or at least it's undiagnosed. Um, so yeah, look, I've had a, a few um, businesses on and off over the years. Um, most of them have been quite good. But yeah, right now, um, sort of the core business I have that sort of uh, has good revenue is um, a company called Adaptive Media. So we view mm-hmm. ourselves as a, a boutique startup studio. Um, so we specialized in building MVPs for startups and then we've sort of gone yeah. more into innovative corporates. Um, so yeah, a little bit of background into that was um, a lot of my time um, in my career was spent uh, contracting in the UK um, and I managed to get a job at the BBC, a contract there, and then over a, a long time in a corporate role at Virgin Media where I was able to sort of work quite a little bit with mobiles and the start of mobile apps. I think we built the first ever uh, mobile app for Virgin. Um, and then we went on to do uh, live stream video and also a music um, app or music website. So when I came back to Australia, I set up that company, Adaptive Media, it was all going to be about dedicated to video streaming, uh, music, and uh, any type of mobile app that related to that. Um, but I've also expanded that out into CTO as a service and uh, board advisory. Uh, and we've yeah. started to do sort of like an equity play and that's where mm-hmm. things sort of get wider again. So um, for some of the businesses um, that we develop for, uh, we also take an equity play um, and become their like technology partner uh, and we yeah. can build a dedicated team of say three or five engineers, uh, get the MVP out, get it to production mm-hmm. and then keep supporting them. Um, and then I even help to bring in a CTO uh, build out the internal resource team as well um, and be able to deliver hopefully from an idea stage to a production, you know, revenue earning app. Um, and then yeah. ultimately I start to get this portfolio of businesses where I've either invested in directly or, or partly. Um, so, yeah, that's an example of my main one. Um, I also have recently acquired a company called Aura Eve, which was like an e-commerce site. Um, yeah. So I want to sort of play around with e-com and um, Shopify and uh, some girls did an amazing job in the Sunshine Coast and uh, they needed to sell and we ended up acquiring that company. Um, so that's in the family. It's under health and, and fitness. And then obviously yeah. um, PUML Better Health, which we're going to talk about today, uh, was really a side on, project. On that, uh, on that note, how do you pronounce? Do you say PUML or is it PUML? What's what's the the way yeah, to pronounce the platform? The official title is PUML Better Health, um, but then anyone who comes into the fold just calls it PUML. 
And is is there a story behind PUML? Does it mean anything? Yeah, so it stands well apart from wanting a, a four-letter domain, which is awesome. <laughs> um, it stands for personal units and movement levels. Um, so wow. ultimately, the, the platform is trying to do two things. It's trying to understand uh, your health data and, and lock that away as a unit of data. So going for a, a run could be a unit of data. Uh, going to the gym could be a unit of data. Uh, doing a DEXTA scan or a heart rate is a unit of data. Um, and then your movement levels is how you're moving, so how often you're being active and things like that. So we're collecting a lot of data points, and, uh, yeah, we're hoping to use those data points for predictive diagnosis of, like, lifestyle diseases like diabetes yeah. and heart disease and things like that. Yeah, and and uh, we'll go and dive a little bit deeper um, deeper into the platform. But I want to touch a little bit about the technology that the platform is built on. And because you you come from an engineering background, it will be good for our users to understand um, why certain technologies are used for certain applications. And there are a lot of you know trendy words like machine learning and AI and blockchain, and all of these words get thrown around. Um, and you're, you're probably one of those people who could simplify the reason behind choosing a certain technology to build a solution, to solve a problem. So tell us a little bit about blockchain and how the platform is built and why those decisions were made. Yeah, well, maybe it's, uh, it's good to sort of understand the, the platform or the purpose of the platform first to understand mm -hmm that particular technology was chosen. Um, so I think at a very high level, we're trying to gamify health and fitness. And uh, we're doing that for both corporates and people in general. Um, yeah. And there's a level of, of two verticals, I'd say, that are interesting. So one is, you know, how do you incentivize people? So there's an incentification piece. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also a data piece, which is every time you do something healthy, you're collecting data. So those two sort of pillars um, have ultimately uh, helped us to make the decision to, to build on blockchain um, yeah. and to do what's basically called a DAP, which is a decentralized application rather than, I think historically with a lot of the work we've done and a lot of the apps we've done, they're always centralized, which means yeah. you have to API, the API will talk to a database, the servers and the platform will be hosted in a centralized cloud scenario like Amazon AWS, whereas mm -hmm. um, this particular platform is a hybrid of that solution. Um, so it includes both the centralized and the decentralized uh, areas in the technology. Now, the reason for doing that is, is one, um, when you look into blockchain and you start to have a think about what the capability is. Uh, the amazing thing is you can very securely protect data um, because yeah. ultimately what it is uh, is you're you're making a carbon copy of something several times over and over and over and over again. Uh, and yeah. there's a lot of security with transparency. And so when you uh, record that uh, detail uh, in so many places, it's very hard to change. So we use this term immutable to show that, you know, it's protected. Uh, so unlike a, a bank or a centralized system that can be hacked 
and modified. Yeah. Um, it's a lot harder to modify any transactions uh, on the blockchain. And I got into yeah. um, crypto in 2011, um, so right sort of at the start. Um, and I was developing my first startup at the time. Um, and what I loved about uh, Bitcoin, which is the first blockchain product, was, uh, you know, it was fully self-organizing and there was no centralized system to it. No one could control it. Uh, it's built entirely on mathematics and encryption. Yeah. And I think that a tech person and engineer, it's very exciting when you see it, sort of see this new technology. Um, I think yeah. as a kid, uh, the passion I had for the internet as a, a child and, and learning about computers and technology is sort of like evolved into blockchain and what, you know, the future of that particular protocol is. And I think it's highly unestimated at the moment because of a lot of confusion yeah. and uh, a lot of, you know, unregulation and things like that.